Let's open our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The first service couldn't have been much better. I, I thank God for it. Matthew did an excellent job with Psalm 77. All us melancholies should take heed. I feel like Balaam's ass in a cage. And I want someone in this audience to come in and jump on me and ride me with a riding crop. <laughs> See, that's why I don't give illustrations. <laughs> the Lord has shown us, and we believe it so far, that 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is the order of three events from the days of the apostles to the coming of Christ. First, there has to be a great falling away, a great apostasy. It's in verse 3. Then the man of sin, the son of perdition, has to be revealed and identified. That's two. And then Jesus Christ comes. The man of sin is commonly called the Antichrist. We understand that there was a great apostasy. The Antichrist came, was understood and identified. Then Jesus Christ comes to destroy him. We believe the Antichrist has been here and known for about 1,500 years, and it's the popes of Rome. They sit in a so-called temple of God. There in verse 4, they exalt themselves above all that is called God, and they are worshipped like God. All of our fathers in the faith believe that about 2 Thessalonians 2. It's not a new doctrine. It's an old doctrine. The idea that 2 Thessalonians 2 has Christ's return, then the Antichrist, that is a new doctrine. And that's what most of them believe. So we understand that this mystery of iniquity is the devil working through the Roman Catholic Church. And we come to the ninth verse, and I want to read 9 through 13 for us to be thankful for any truth that we see is by the grace of God and his choice and the power of the Holy Spirit. Even him, the wicked that's going to be revealed, the papacy, the popes of Rome, the, en- the greatest enemies described in the Bible of the Christian church, a Bible Christian churches, even him, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Catholics don't care about truth. What do they care about? Catholic tradition. They don't care about truth. Mother Church has always done it. We do it. It's got to be right. How could they be wrong? They're so big. They're so old. They are wrong. They're totally wrong. Right. You can prove a Catholic's wrong a thousand different ways Amen. with a Bible if you believe the Bible. Right. Because they received not the love of the truth, they might be saved. They could have been saved from the man of sin and the popes. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That is strong language. It's not preached. It's not preached hardly anywhere. But look what it says. And for this cause, if you don't want the truth that God offers you, if you don't want the truth that's visible in his creation, he'll rewire you. And he'll rewire them. And he does, he does rewire them. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is God's word. We believe it. It's, it's severe. It's harsh. It's hard. But it's true. And it's a promise, and it's a prophecy, and God has worked it. And if you've ever met a Catholic, 
you know the difficulty of showing them the Bible and having them believe the Bible over their tradition. And you can see this fulfilled in their lives. But we are bound to give thanks. The apostle wrote about the Thessalonians. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. And we understand that salvation there to be in context, saved from the lies of the Roman Catholic Church. By God's choice before the world began, and sending His Spirit to sanctify us, to make us holy, regenerate us, and to believe the truth. The apostolic truth, because it goes on to say, whereunto He called you by our gospel. That's the apostles' gospel. And then He says in verse 15, Therefore, brethren, since this is so important, and the division has been so great between classes of men, hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle, that is apostolic tradition. That's the tradition of the apostles and of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for any truth, and we thank Thee for any truth that we believe. It is by Your grace, eternal grace, sanctifying grace, and sending preacher grace. You have been gracious to us. And we thank Thee for everything that we believe. And what we do not see, show us. What we see and do not practice like we should, convict us and continue to lead us in paths of righteousness for Your name's sake. We are bound to thank Thee, and we love to thank Thee, and we do thank Thee now. Heavenly Father, we could not have been more blessed in the first assembly in our feeble way of looking at things, and we ask for you to bless us similarly or even more in this second assembly. That means, Lord, we need you to guard our lips, that they will not utter anything foolish, fleshly, or frivolous in the house of God. That means for you to open our hearts and our minds and supply us with true knowledge by your Spirit. That means for you to direct us correctly into these phrases and clauses of Scripture that we might rightly divide the word of truth and not be ashamed before Thee. Lord, bless us now. We have a few minutes. Empower us by Your Spirit. Lead and guide us. And we'll thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.